Now, how many of you uh, are old enough to remember, go Jerry, go Jerry, go Jerry? How many hands, hands of those who remember that chant? Okay, some of y'all are like, what are you talking about? I'll never forget as a child, man, uh, just hearing, Jerry, 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 my first time seeing this. And it was just absolutely insane, the Jerry Springer show. Okay. Jerry Springer, you know, when I was growing up, that was a show we were just not allowed to watch, you know. And so we would sneak and see, like, what are the titles of the show? And it would be crazy stuff, like, uh, this person's cousin is has a baby by their grandmama's, like, uh, nephew or something. Like, it's just, just the weirdest, craziest titles, uh, the most dysfunctional things that you could ever think of. And so Jerry Springer was insane, and it was really a major extreme as it pertained to familial dysfunction, right? But then we start. Then we had some other shows, man, and I, and I thought we were safe when Murray showed up, you know? And Murray, like, I mean, if I, if I remember correctly, Murray, when he started, Murray was, he was not on any crazy stuff. It was just like, you know, hey, Jim and, and Sue are having some problems in their marriage. Hey, Murray, how can you help us today? You know, and then he just gave some counsel, like, just go home and take, go out on a date and just, you know, just love each other some more and everything's going to be somewhere over the rainbow. You know, like, it was just cool. And then suddenly, guy, I don't know what happened. Yo, the show just took a turn, fam. I was like, yo, like what? Yo, seriously? It started just having inklings of Jerry Springer. Like there was just some, you know, it didn't go all the way. It wasn't like full-blown Jerry, you know? But it was just like halfway there. And you just started seeing the dysfunction creeping in, right? You know, and I'm not going to list any more. There are so many. There is, there, there's so many other shows, right? Talk shows that showcase uh, familial dysfunction. And, you know, some of you, the facts of life are that some of you and some of us, we're laughing, but we actually have Jerry Springer level dysfunction in our families. In fact, if you grow up in a background like mine, I grew up in a Bajan household. And there's a lot of stuff that we hear growing up. And we're wondering, saying, oh, man, who is this? Who is this person? This name I never hear of in my life. You know, there's all of these people that we wonder and we're saying, who is this and who is that? And, you know, people that, oh, you see this boy coming, don't, you know, stop the talk. And like, there would be talks of so many things behind the scenes or we would witness things and hear things and we're wondering, saying, what is this and who is this? And anybody else ever experienced that? Y'all gonna leave me by myself? Okay, looking at me like I'm the only one experienced that stuff. Okay, thank ya. I'm not by myself, I got a witness. But the fact is that no matter who you are, no matter how spick and span you look on the outside, more than likely, because of the world that we live in, you have experienced some sort of familial dysfunction. In fact, there are some of you right now, your families are being held together by a thread. And if just one more thing happens, I don't know who I came to preach to today, but I feel my ride creeping up, so I'm going to jump on right here. Somebody today is at the point of closing. Someone's at the point of giving in. Somebody here today is saying that it's over. It's over and I don't have any more in me for my familial dysfunction. But I'm here to tell you today I showed up with a message here in Malvern to let one or two people know that God is greater than your dysfunction. Somebody ought to give God praise right there in this moment. That's the type of kid praise you give God because he's greater than your dysfunction. God is greater than our dysfunction. Come on. 
And so, I, I, you know, I want to jump into the story today. This is a story. This is a passage. We usually look and just kind of compartmentalize pieces of the story and say, okay, this is a story about Jacob and Esau. And we usually just stop right there, you know. Uh, but really and truly, if you look at this story, for those uh, who are new to Bible, this is, a, this is one, of the, um, one of the kind of flagship stories in Scripture in the Old Testament uh, with patriarchs in the Bible. You know, people who God blessed richly and we are here today and have faith as a result of them. Uh, and so, you know, and so, so, but here, this is not just the Jacob and Esau story. This is a Jacob, Esau, Rebecca, and Isaac story. In other words, this is a family affair. The things that we are reading about, the stuff that we are experiencing, these are things that, are, that include the whole family. Although we usually compartmentalize and just look at Jacob and Esau. Now, Jacob and Esau were two individuals, and there's so much depth to who they are. And the symbolism behind their birth, which I can't jump into too deep today. But I want to encourage you to understand that there, that there was major dysfunction that happened in this family. Just like we were speaking about with Jerry Springer and things of this nature. There was major dysfunction that was happening in this family. And the first thing, there are two main things that we find that happen. But before I jump into those and unpack them, I just want to, I, I want to I look at what preceded the dysfunction. Come on. Somebody say, what started it? Come on. So the first thing that we see here, the first thing that we see here in Genesis chapter 25, verse 27, we find that Jacob and Esau were born and God prophesied to Rebecca, their mother, about what was happening because they were wrestling in her stomach, you know, and some pregnant ladies, you might know what that means. You know, I used to watch, you know, my son just going, my, my children, all of them just going to town in their mom's belly. And so I can't imagine, you know, if you've ever had twins. Is anybody here who has had twins before? No? Okay. Oh, I see a hand back there. Oh, two hands. Okay. Oh, y'all are twins. Okay, that's cool. I hope you weren't fighting in your mom's belly, but oh, you were. Okay. Wow. So I can't imagine what that's like, you know. Uh, but there was symbolism behind this taking place. However, the thing that we know is, the thing that we know is if you look real quickly in verse 27 of Genesis chapter 25. The Bible says, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter. Everybody say, a hunter. A man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man. Somebody say, a silent boy. <laughs> he was a silent man, a quiet man, dwelling in tents. He was a tent dweller. So clearly here, there is a distinction between these two individuals. One is someone who is more overt, who is out there, who is a hunter. And then the next is one that dwells in tents. He hang around with mama and them, you know, uh, cook, baking cookies and stuff, you know. And so there's this distinction. Why are y'all laughing? So anyways, what we find, though, is look at verse 28. Isaac loved Esau because he ate his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. One of the issues, one of the things that we see throughout scripture and we find present here in the text is something called, and also in our lives, is favoritism. My God, I'm going to deal with it today. Somebody say favoritism. We find that Esau, that Esau uh, is loved by his dad, but Jacob is loved by his mom. 
And these things are based upon the fact that they are, that one does something uh, that the other does not do. And so consequently, one parent draws to the other and loves one, uh, loves one greater than they do the other. But how many of you know, and some of you don't even realize this and you employ it, that favoritism leads to dysfunction. In fact, help me preach that. That's good enough to preach to your neighbor. Help them. Help me preach and just let them know. Say neighbor. neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Favoritism. I stuttered on it. <laughs> Leads to dysfunction. Man, I stuttered on that one too. Favoritism leads to dysfunction. And we see that this is actually a theme that often happens throughout scripture. But the amazing thing is that God is no respecter of persons. Who am I with talking to this morning? And we often see this behavior employed in uh, Genesis chapter 30, uh, Genesis chapter 37. We find in the story of Joseph because Jacob ends up going and doing this later on as well. Jacob ends up having a son named Joseph, who was the youngest. And Jacob exercised, he, the Bible makes it clear that he loved Joseph more than the rest. And so favoritism is a common theme. And so here we find it in our story for today. And I would indicate and I would introduce uh, that this is the substratum for all of the dysfunction that comes thereafter. This favoritism is the foundation that everything else is built upon. Who's going to stay with me this morning? So point number one, I got a few and I don't have a lot of time. But, I, but I'm going to go ahead and, and throw them at you and hopefully you can grab them. And this is the reason why. This is the reason why. This is an issue. Number one, let me let you know. Favoritism, and for the writers, this is a point. Here we go. Favoritism fosters insecurity. Everybody say insecurity. Which births jealousy. Everybody say jealousy. Which uh, that preys on vulnerability. Let's say that again. Favoritism fosters insecurity, which births jealousy that preys on vulnerability. What do I mean by this? When we exercise favoritism above, when we show favoritism to different children in our family, it might not even be in your immediate family. It might just be one cousin above the rest. Come on, somebody. Can I talk to families this morning? If it's one auntie above the rest. And I'm not talking about you get along with one more than the others. That, that's a different thing. I'm talking about loving another above the rest. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? This oftentimes is the foundation for dysfunction. And we see, and the reason why I say favoritism fosters insecurity, which births jealousy that preys on vulnerability. This is the reason why. Because if you look in the text, look at verse 29 of Genesis chapter uh, 25. It says, once Je when Jacob was cooking stew, Isaac came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of the red stew for I am exhausted. And the Bible says, therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. So Jacob is the dude who dwells in the house. He is the quiet guy. And Esau is the guy who is out and who is the favorite of Isaac. 
And so Esau goes, he's out and he's doing his thing and he gets exhausted. And because of this favoritism, we find here that Jacob is in a place where he thinks that God's blessing is attached to what Esau has. And so in this moment, he tries to find a way to deceive Esau out of what he has because he thinks that his blessing is attached to Esau's birthright. And this is why I say that favoritism is a uh, fosters insecurity because it, when there is one who is getting, especially when a father shows more love to, a, to a, one child above another, what happens is it often makes that person a magnet for jealousy. And the other individuals, they prey on vulnerability. They're looking for the perfect opportunity to get what they think is going to lead to blessing when they've been already blessed. Am I talking today or am I talking? And so we find here that he with Esau in this point of vulnerability was willing to give up his birthright. The birthright was something that a firstborn got in Jewish culture. They were could get a double portion of the parental inheritance. Come on. So there's a double portion of the paternal rather inheritance once the father died. This is what's attached to the birthright. And he inherited that individual would inherit the judicial authority of the father. And they also, in many cases, became the priest of the family. And so this is some major stuff that Esau is getting ready to give up in a moment of vulnerability because he was duped by his insecure brother due to favoritism. Can I paint the picture this morning? Can I just give you a side note? Be careful what you're willing to give up in times of desperation. Esau gave up his birthright. Because of his, because his belly was hungry. You know what my grandmother would call them? A guamadiva. Or a gretch. A guamadiva is somebody that will do anything to fill their belly. And in this time, in this time of desperation, everybody say desperation. desperation. Jacob, who's walking in insecurity, prays on Esau. In this moment, because of this insecurity and this jealousy that he has towards his brother. Man, this is some serious stuff. But you know, and so we find, and this is this may be the case in your family. This may be the case where there are people who are walking in insecurity. Where there are people who are always trying to tear down others in the family. Because they think that being like the others is going to make them favored and loved. Come on somebody. And there's some of us who we look down, some of us we look down on certain family members because of the behavior that they're displaying in that they're going out of their way to try and tear others down and we say why are you being such a waste man why is it that you're always trying to stop others and being a crab in a bucket and pull people down and we don't realize that oftentimes that behavior is not their fault but it's because there has been parental favoritism or familial favoritism that has been exhibited in the family and they don't realize that they're loved and they're blessed and so they think that they have to go and get somebody else's blessing come on somebody because they have not experienced attention as much attention as they need to know they're blessed am i coming down somebody's road and so jacob in this moment look at what happens here esau says i'm about to die this is verse 32 of uh 25 i'm about to die and the bible says uh of what use is a birthright to me 
Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of soup, man. Listen. (laughs) Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So here we find that Jacob, because of the insecurity that was born out of favoritism, gets into a place where he is jealous and preys on the vulnerability of his brother. And uh, consequently, Esau is duped out of this. Can I just help you to talk about in dealing with diversity? Here's point number two. Are you ready for point number two? Here it is. We've got to be individuals. This is how we combat this function, especially that which comes from favoritism. Celebrate diversity and love with equity. In fact, that's good enough to preach to your neighbor too. Tell them, neighbor, don't get annoyed. Celebrate diversity and love with equity. Celebrate diversity and love with equity. Now, Jacob is the house dweller. And some of us in our cultures, we would say, oh, that's a weak guy. Or some of us uh, would say, oh, that's a sissy because he stays in the house and he may be cooking. He's the cook. He does his thing or whatever. But Esau is the favorite dude because he's out and he's macho. And he's the one that goes out and kills and shoots. And uh, mindsets like this are responsible for the insecurity and dysfunction of many people who God has wired the way that they are. But society and familial insecurity and our own insecurities, and because we are not secure in our own sexuality many ways, we try to push other people's down and make them into something and say, oh, you're acting like a girl. You're acting like this. Oh, can I deal with it this morning? You're an artist? What's an artist? Go get a real job. Go be like your sister who's a lawyer. I'm going to go there today, y'all. Go get a rapper? What a rapper is, boy. You holding on to candy? They have to stutter. You be crinkling in people's pockets? Rapper? Rapper what? For loss. And we often challenge people and we often tear down others while we build others up. Come on, somebody. And as a result, we don't realize that this fosters insecurity in our children. Come on. The fact is that an artist is just as gifted as an athlete. You might be a runner and your brother might be a painter, but it don't make you any more of a man or any more of a woman based upon what you do. Come on. The man and woman was based upon what you got between your legs. It's not based upon the skill. Can I just keep it real today? It's not based upon the skills that you have. And we often, we often put ourselves in a position where we create dysfunction because we don't know how to celebrate diversity. And we, a healthy familial environment is one where people are able to say, you know what, you may be different than this person, but we celebrate that you are diverse and the thing that you do or don't do does not qualify me, you for my love or disqualify you from my love. 
And so, you know, I just love it because even as it pertains to the body of Christ, I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 through 26. He makes it clear that there is, that we are not, to, that we're supposed to celebrate the distinctions in, our, in the body of Christ. Somebody say the body of Christ. That not all, everyone in the body looks the same and acts the same or is gifted the same. And so we have to be individuals that understand that he says we're not to look down on one above another. That we're supposed to not, that I can't say to the knee, I don't need you. He says that we're supposed to be to the place where we celebrate diversity in the body and understand this. And be to a place where we love with equity. So number two, celebrate diversity and love with equity. But it doesn't stop there because due to Jacob's, uh, where Jacob is at, and I told you it's not just about Jacob and Esau, but the favoritism that Rebecca and Isaac displayed, which many of us do today and we need to repent of, we find that there is another deception that takes place. So Jacob robs Esau, his brother, of his birthright, and I told you what that is. But also there was a blessing that he was to get from his father right before his father died. And as we go to uh, Genesis chapter Genesis chapter 27, we find that Isaac is getting old. His eyes are dim and he's to the place where he can't see anymore. And so he's to the place now where he's saying, you know what? The Bible says, I don't know when my time is to die. And so he gets to the place where he says, I'm going to bless my son. Come Esau. And he tells Esau here in the text, go out and prepare me delicious food. This is in chapter 27 verse 4. Go out and prepare me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat it and my soul will bless you. Now look at this where parental interference takes place and manipulation. The Bible says now Rebecca was listening when Isaiah spoke to his son Esau. Or Isaac, rather. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, her favorite, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare them for a delicious food for your father such as he loves and you shall bring them to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies but Jacob said to Rebekah his mother so before I even go there look at this man the mother is in a position where not only is there favoritism employed but she now begins to attempt to manipulate the blessing come on somebody because she too is fostering this, this position that, that God's blessing is based upon Abraham, uh, on Jacob getting what his brother Esau has. Not realizing that Jacob could be blessed even without having to use deception. She is using her influence. And instead of using her influence to tell Jacob to do what it is that God has called, her, called him to do, she uses uses her influence to manipulate Jacob into fulfilling her agenda. And so point number three, here it is. Influence your family to fulfill God's plan instead of your agenda. Let me say it again. Influence your family to fulfill God's plan instead of your agenda. Oftentimes, man, we see this in family, you know, where uh, there are mothers who are attempting to live vicariously through their children. 
And so the things that you're encouraging them to do, the stuff that you're manipulating, not only mothers, but also fathers. Oh, you always wanted to be that football hero. And you got to a place where you couldn't, you couldn't be that, that hero anymore. And so what you're doing is you're trying to raise your kids up to do things that you wanted to do, saying, framing it as if you're trying to help them get ahead. And oftentimes what we're pushing our, can I deal with it this morning? What we're pushing our kids to do is not even their God-given assignment and agenda. And the fact is, we have to consider, are we being to a place where we're pushing our children or we're pushing our families? Because, you know, it's not just parental. It's also uh, the other dynamics of family or relationship. Are we encouraging the people that we have influence on in our family to fulfill their God-given agenda? Or to fulfill what it is that we want them to do. And oftentimes aside from what it is that God's plan. Like we see her here trying to encourage Jacob to deceive his father. Putting one parent against the child against their parent. The Bible says in verse, uh, in verse 11. It says, but Re- Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me and shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. So Jacob is realizing he's like, hold up a minute, man. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not trying to put myself in a position where I end up getting cursed instead of being blessed. And so moving onward, moving onward, she goes on and says, look at what his mother says, man. In verse 13, his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. So Jacob says, yo, I don't think this is a good idea. But mom Duke says, yo, whatever it is that the curse is that comes as a result of you deceiving your father, let it come on me. And so she's framing herself as if what she's doing is sacrificial. She like, I'm going to take one for the team. The curse that's going to come to you for lying, I'm going to take that. I got this. When in actuality, she was not, she, actually, let me give you the next point. Can I give you the next point? Look at this. Don't frame your selfishness as being sacrificial. Let me say that one more time. Don't frame your selfishness as being sacrificial. Because she's saying, I'm going to take the one for the team. When in actuality, she's being selfish. Because he said, I don't think this is a good idea. But he, but she is still challenging him and saying, I'm going to take it. I want to see you blessed. So I'm going to take this thing for the team. How often, you know, I'm willing to, I'm willing to, you know, put up the money for you to go to that school. I'm willing to work three jobs even though I don't even see you so you can go to this school to get the degree that you don't feel called to do but the degree that I want you to do so that you can make some money and retire me early. Who am I talking to this morning? Y'all don't want to keep it real. We keep it 100. All the way 100. I'm not scared of none of y'all. Come on. Because at the end of the day, 
This is why people are in bondage. And we frame it. And oftentimes parents always framing ourselves as sacrificial. And family members framing ourselves as sacrificial around things that we're trying to force and enforce the family the, the, the family members in our lives. And many times it's out of good intention. But God don't need your help to put his blessing on his children. And he sure don't need your manipulation. In fact, next point, uh, this is it right here. Uh, some of us need to have a graduation from familial manipulation. You need to write that down. I'm going to say that again. Thick it, thick it. Have a graduation from familial manipulation. There's some of you that you have not been realizing what it is that God has placed in your life and you haven't been walking in the blessing that God has for you. And the reason why is because you've been walking under the manipulation of your mama or your papa. Come on, somebody. Or your auntie or your uncle. You've been walking under their manipulation. Some of you, you got something that happened to you when you were a child by a family member. Come on. And you've been trying to keep quiet because that family member's been telling you, trying to make you feel like you can't move forward unless you keep your mouth shut who am i talking to this morning and as a result you have not been walking into what god has called you to i feel prophecy right here i want to declare to you today it's time for you to have a deck a graduation from that familial manipulation you don't have to stay under that bondage that family member is not your god and your blessing and your progression is not attached to them who am i talking to there's someone who showed up bound today and in the name of jesus christ of nazareth i declare freedom over your life right now make that decision you need to make say you know what i might not have a cap and gown but i'm graduating come on i might not have a i might not be walking down the aisle but i'm graduating from you holding on me i'm graduating from that stuff you had on my mind who am i talking to this morning i'm graduating from all of those things that those lies that you told me that you kept me down with and and i'm not saying this is everybody's family but there's some of us who are in this place and i want you to be free somebody just shout be free free. glory to god didn't come to play games man we're chopping that thing down because some of us we're in this position and we find here you know because jacob he has multiple times to have the opportunity to get up from under his mother's manipulation in that case she she he he says to her hey this ain't a good idea but he still goes along with it The father, when he ends up bringing the food to the family, come on somebody, when he ends up bringing the food to his father, his father's like, hey, are you sure that you're Esau? And he goes, and he ends up saying, yeah, I'm Esau. And and then the father's like, listen, I hear the voice, I hear the voice of, of Jacob, but it feels like Esau. He had multiple opportunities to say, okay, dad. I'm done. I'm not walking up under the manipulation of my mom. I'm not going to do what she says. This is who I am. God, you know, can you give me a blessing as well? You know, the same way you, you finna bless Esau. Can you give me a bless to a blessing as well? You know, and instead of doing that, he continues to walk. And so many of you, you are walking under the power of family or manipulation and you're saying, or generational things. Can I just talk about it today? Man, some devils might be mad today, but that's okay. I'm coming for all y'all in the name of Jesus, because some of you've been walking 
walking under generational stuff and you've been like you know what oh all of my family is alcoholic so that just must be what I do come on can I preach to some families all of my families all of my family uh, dealt with lust and watches pornography and has those magazines up in the closet that they hide and look at when they go to sleep so that's just something that I'm just going to continue I must just have to walk into it can I talk to somebody for real today all of my family you know the men in the family they always tiptoe and they sneak and they have girlfriends uh, and they act like they go into uh, throw out the garbage and the garbage uh, takeout takes uh, takes a lot longer than it's supposed to who am I talking to this morning there's, there's all of these things and we think oh we gotta continue generational patterns but you gotta get to the place where you say cut off I'm not walking in no more of that foolishness who am I talking to I don't care if my granddad did it I don't care if my grandmama did it I don't care if my they're doing it right now what God has for me is greater than that mess and I'm having a graduation from familial manipulation and so Jacob and Esau I got 20 seconds on the clock and so I'm almost done but Jacob and Esau they have consequently you know he ends up blessing him Isaac ends up blessing him and he blesses him he blesses Jacob instead of Esau and the way that these blessings work they were irrevocable Uh, consequently Esau gets a a secondary blessing when he was supposed to get the primary one and consequently he has to be to a place where he is a servant as it was prophesied you know which his mother was probably trying to manipulate stuff to make this happen that he was going to serve his younger brother but the Bible makes it clear and I'm not going to read it all but it goes on and says that he was going to serve him until he was wearied of it and then he was going to be able to come up from under that yoke but the powerful thing is this that with all this dysfunction that we find something happen in uh in 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 chapter 33 of genesis what chapter did i say chapter 33 and i love this uh we find this look jacob who has at at, is at odds with his brother who just teethed his blessing we find look at what happens here in verse 33 and jacob lifted up his eyes somebody say hope lifted up his eyes and looked and behold Esau was coming so this is years now after he had duped him out of his blessing this is a reunion that's getting ready to take place and they have not spoken since this deception took place and Esau when he left based upon what had happened Jacob he made it clear that if he saw Jacob he was going to kill Jacob because of the foolishness that Jacob did. But we find here something that's amazing. And this is where we find our hope today. The Bible says, and he put the servants, two females uh, in front of him, two female servants. And he put the servants with their children in front. Then Leah and her children. And Rachel and Joseph last of all. So this is how Jacob is preparing himself to approach his brother Esau, who he tricked two times. And the Bible says, and then he himself went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And the Bible says, but Esau ran. Somebody say ran. I need you to shout that with some coffee in it, some caffeine. Come on. Say ran. Ran. There we go. Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. They have these odds against one another. 
and they are in a position where Esau was going to kill his brother but somehow and the amazing thing I'm not even going to go I don't have time to go into it but right before this in chapter 32 Jacob has a life changing encounter with God and so after that encounter with God because you know he wasn't operating in in, in with you know out of a relationship with God when he was doing the stuff he was doing the Bible makes it clear that he went in a position of humility he's coming to his brother and he's bowing to the ground because he knows of the stupidness that he did and so he's humbling himself and the Bible makes it clear that while he's bowing himself because he knows what he deserves that Esau runs and grabs him and kisses his neck who am I talking to and so here we find number one it's a beautiful picture of the gospel because God's love towards us come on I wonder if there's anybody that knows that God doesn't give us what we deserve and so we see that God's God's love displayed here but secondarily well I, I mean primarily rather we see here in the passage and this is my last point no form of familial devastation is past God's power of reconciliation in fact somebody say that with me no form of familial devastation come on is past God's power of reconciliation all it takes is an encounter with God and somebody today you're in a position you heard all that I said about manipulation and you heard all that I said about all the things that come through familial dysfunction and you may feel today and say you know what I'm hopeless based upon what's happening this thing has happened for generations but I came to say no sir no ma'am come on there's no dysfunction that devastation that you have experienced that is beyond the power of God's reconciliation and if a man who duped his brother out of his birthright and out of his blessing can run and throw himself when the man is come his brother is coming like this and runs to him I believe that God can send reconciliation swiftly into your life there's someone today who feels hopeless and I came to tell you that God is a way maker and that God is not see that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not to your own understanding in all your ways somebody say all my ways if you acknowledge him he will direct your path he will direct your path he, he'll do stuff that don't make sense he'll make people whose relationships with you have been tarnished for a year he can make that thing repaired swiftly some of you you feel like you can't move on and you're in you're 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 walking with your face down because of the past and God is saying my love is running to you swiftly 